welcome to a brand new episode of Storytime Madness. Today we're going to read the next three pages of A Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens. We are now on to stage four and are nearing the end. We'll read three pages this week and we will read another three pages which will conclude stage four next week. As you may have seen on our Instagram, we are changing our working hours. We no longer are going to be releasing um, three episodes a week. Um, there was a general sense that really the, that many episodes wasn't needed. So it's going to now be uh, one episode a week on a Wednesday. Um, so make sure you um, stay tuned on a Wednesday to listen to those episodes. So our aim over the next couple of weeks is to finish the Christmas Carol book because even though it's not Christmas anymore, it is freezing. So the theme is still um, very relative. Um, but we are going to read the next three pages of A Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens and we hope you enjoy. At length, the long-expected knock was heard. She hurried to the door and met her husband, a man whose face was careworn and depressed, though he was young. There was a remarkable expression in it now, a kind of serious delight of which he felt ashamed and which he struggled to repress. He sat down to dinner that he had been hoarding for him by the fire. And when she asked him faintly what news, which was not until after a long silence, he appeared embarrassed to answer. Is it good? she said. Or, or, or bad? to help him. Bad, he answered. We are not quite ruined? No, there is hope yet, Caroline. If, if he relents, she said, amazed. There is. Nothing has passed hope if such a miracle has happened. He's past relenting, said the husband. He's dead. She was a mild and patient, patient <laughs> creature, if her face spoke truth, but she was thankful in her soul to hear it, and she said so with clasped hands. She prayed forgiveness the next moment and was sorry but the first was the emotion of her heart. What the half-drunken woman who who, whom I told you of last night said to me when I tried to see him and obtain a week's delay, and what I thought was a mere excuse to avoid me, turns out to have been quite true. He was not only very ill, but dying then. To whom will our debts be transferred? I don't know, but before that time we shall be ready with the money, and even though we were not, it would be a bad fortune indeed to find so merciless a creditor in his successor. We may sleep tonight with light hearts, Caroline. Yes, soften it as they would, their hearts were lighter. The children's faces, hushed and clustered round to hear what they so little understood, were brighter, and it was a happier house for this man's death. The only emotion that the ghost could show him, caused by the event, was one 
of pleasure. Let me see some endedness connected with the death, said Scrooge. Or that dark change of spirit, which we just left now, will be forever present to me. The ghost conducted himself through several streets familiar to his feet, and as they went along, Scrooge looked here and there to find himself, but nowhere was he to be seen. They entered poor Bob Cratchit's house, the dwelling he had visited before, and found the mother and children seated round the fire. Quiet, very quiet. The noisy little Cratchits were as still as statues in one corner, and sat looking up at Peter, who had a book before him. The mothers and daughters were engaged in sewing, but surely they were very quiet. And he took a child and set him in the midst of them. Where had Scrooge heard those words? He had not dreamed them. The boy must have read them out. Or he and the spirit crossed the threshold. Why did he not go on? The mother laid her work upon the table and put her hand up to her face. The colour hurts my eyes, she said. The colour, poor tiny Tim. They're better now again, said Cratchit's wife, and makes them weak by candlelight, and it wouldn't show weak eyes to your father when he comes home for the world. It must be near his time. Past it, rather, Peter answered, shutting up his book. But I think he has walked a little slower than he used to these last evenings, mother. They were very quiet again. At last, she said, and in a steady, cheerful voice that only faltered once. I have known him walk with. I've, no, I've known him walk with Tiny Tim upon his shoulder very fast indeed. And so have I, cried Peter, often. And so have I, exclaimed another. So had all. But he was very light to carry, she resumed, intent upon her work, and his father loved him so, that it, that it was a trouble, no trouble. And there is your father at the door. She hurried out to meet him, and little Bob, in his comforter, he had needed of it. Poor fellow came in. His tea was ready for him on the hob. And they all tried who should help him the most. Then the two Cratchits got upon his knees and laid each little child a little cheek against his face, as if they said, Don't mind it, father. Don't be grieved. Bob was very cheerful with them and spoke pleasantly to all the family, who looked at the work upon the table and praised the industry and speed of Cratchits and the girls. It would be done long before Sunday, he said. <clears throat> Sunday. You went today then, Robert? Said his wife. Yes, my dear. Turned Bob. I wish you could have gone. It would have done you good to see how green a place it is. But you'll see it often. I promised him that I would walk there on a Sunday. Little child. Cried Bob. Little child. He broke down all at once. He couldn't help it. 
If he could have helped it, and his own child would have been farther apart perhaps than they were. He left the room and went upstairs into the room above, which was light, lighted cheerfully and hung with Christmas. There was a chair set close behind, beside the child, and there were signs of someone having been there lately. Poor Bob sat down in it, and when he had thought a little and composed himself, he kissed the little face. He was re reconciled to what had happened, and went down again quite happy. They drew about the fire and talked, the girls and mother working still. Bob told them of the extraordinary kindness of Mr. Scrooge's nephew, whom he had scarcely seen but once, and who, meeting him in the street that day, and seeing that he looked a little, just a little down, you know, said Bob, inquired what had happened to distress him. On which, he said, for he is the pleasantest gentleman you ever heard, I told him. I am heartfully sorry for it, Mr. Cratchit, he said, and heartfully sorry for your good wife. By the by, how he ever knew that, I don't know, knew what, my dear? Why, that you were a good wife, replied Bob. Everybody knows that, said Peter. Very well observed, my boy, cried Bob. I hope they do. Heartfully sorry, he said. For your good wife, if I can be of any service to you in any way, he said, giving me his card. That's where I live. Pray come to me. Now it wasn't, cried Bob. For the sake of anything he might be able to do for us so much as for his kind way, that, th that this was quite delightful. It really seemed as if he had known our tiny Tim and felt with us. I'm sure he's a good soul, said Mrs. Cratchit. You would be sure of it, my dear, returned Bob, if you saw and spoke to him. I shouldn't be at all surprised. Mark what I say. If he got Peter a better situation. Only hear that, Peter, Mrs. Cratchit. And then, cried one of the girls, Peter will be keeping company with someone and setting up for himself. Get along with you, retorted Peter, grinning. It's just as likely as not, said Bob. One of these days, though there's plenty of time for that, my dear, but however and whenever we part from one another, I'm sure we'll find none of us forget poor Tiny Tim. Shall we, or this first parting that there was among us? Never, father! cried they all and I know said Bob I know my dears that when we recollect how patient and mild he was although he was little little child we shall not quarrel easily among ourselves and forget poor tiny Tim no no never father they all cried again I'm very happy said little Bob I'm very happy Mrs. Cratchit kissed him, his daughters kissed him, the two young Cratchits kissed him, and Peter and himself shook hands. Spirit of Tiny Tim, thy childish essence was from God. Spectre, said Scrooge. Something informs me that our parting moment is at hand. I know it, but I know not how 
Tell me what man that was whom we saw lying dead. The ghost of Christmas yet to come conveyed him as before, though at a different time, he thought. Indeed, there seemed no order in these latter visions, save that they were in the future into the results of businessmen, but showed him not himself. Indeed, the spirit did not say stay for anything, but went straight on, as to, <clears throat> as to the end just now desired, until besought by Scrooge to tarry for a moment. Thank you for listening to this episode of Storytime Madness. We hope you really enjoyed it. We decided to do a shorter episode today to allow our listeners to have a bit more suspense between the two um, halves of the chapter. We'll be back next Wednesday at Storytime Madness to read you the next few pages of Stay Four of the Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens. That's all from us now. Bye-bye. <laughs>